Okay, we're learning Daf Lamed Vav. I'm gonna, starting from right from the top of the Amid Aleph. We're analyzing the Mishnah. We were talking about here the Kohen Gadol starting the Abodah. So the first thing that he's dealing with is his par, the par of the Kohen Gadol. And he's reciting Vidoy. Before he, the Shechita, he's doing Vidoy. And, and, and the Mishnah said that where is the bull? He's between the Ulam and the Mizbech. Now we know that the din of Kache Kachim is, it has to be shechted in the northern part of the Azar. So, and not only that, the language of the Pasuk is that you shechted by the base of the Zbech in the north in front of Hashem. So we have to figure out exactly where is the Ulam and the Mizbech and how can the Shechita be done there? Because in other words, you're doing, the, you're doing the Smicha right there by the place of the Shechita. You're positioning the bull right where it's going to be shechted and you're doing the Smicha and then um, immediately afterwards you're going to shecht it. So it sounds like this area between the Ulam and the Mizbeach would be kosher for Shechita. So the Gemara says, Man Shams Leibin Ulam Mizbeach Tzafah. Who is the opinion? Which Tana is that just holds that the area between the Ulam and the Mizbeach is called Tzafah? When we say it's called Tzafah, we mean it has a din that it's a kosher place to make the Shechita. That's what we want to know. Who says that the area between the Ulam and the Mizbeach is kosher? It's considered Tzafah. So now we go through, uh, we go through the different possibilities. Again, we're looking at the Pasuk. Um, that's written by the carbon carbon ola, but it, sort, it serves as the paradigm for all kachekachim. Kachekachim are shechted by the in front of the mizbeach, and when we say in front, we mean really the backside, because the ramp is all the way in the south. We go up the ramp in the north, and then it means by the base, like all the way on the opposite end, and yerachem mizbeach in the north. So, what exactly is that area? So, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon. He, we think that it's only Rabbi Lazar Rabbi The time says in Brayse, "Is it Zafon? What part of the Azar is labeled as defined as the Zafon?" Mikir Shemizbech Zafoni Ad Koso Amarava. It's from the north wall of the Mizbech into Ad Koso Azar until the north wall opposite of the courtyard. Kinegi Kol Mizbech Zafon and whatever is opposite that part of the Mizbech. So, in other words, according to this Tana, Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda, it's only the area that's directly opposite the Mizbech and the northern wall. That's the point. So the Mizbeach is situated part in the north, part in the south, and then in the back of the Mizbeach, right there, and again, it's 32 amas wide. So 30, those 32 amas of width that, 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 that go directly from the, until the northern wall, that is considered Safa. But the point is that Pasht is what he's saying, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, is that anything to the right, anything to the left, that's not considered Safa. So if you would go be between the Ulam and the Mizbeach, even if you would be in the northern part of the Azara, according to this Tana, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah, you can't make a Shrita. The Shrita can only be done directly opposite the Mizbeach toward the wall. And the understanding that he has is that the language of the Pasuk is that you shafted out Yerech HaMizbeach. So what does Yerech HaMizbeach mean? Right there, directly opposite the Mizbeach. It can't be done further west in, the, in terms of the east uh, in terms of the east-west latitude, it has to be directly opposite the Mizbech, and what you're saying goes toward the northern wall. That's the first opinion of Rishwab Yehuda. Comes along with Rabbi Lazar Shimon, he's Moses, he says, no, it doesn't have to be just directly opposite the Mizbech. He's Moses, he's adding that it can even be, as long as it's in the north, between the Ulam and the Mizbech. That's also called Safon, it's Kasher for Kacher Kachim. Our Mishnah, our Mishnah was saying that the bull is put, Bein Ulam La Mizbech, when Bishas the Vidoy, so evidently the town of our Mishnah holds like a blessed Reb Shimon, that the Shechito doesn't have to be directly opposite the Mizbeach. Um, 
it's able to be also between the ulam and the mizbeach. Then we learn a third opinion. Rebbe Mosef, af makum trisas ragle kornim. Rebbe says, you know, this is the first opinion. So far, we've had two opinions. The first opinion, Rebbe Shapita is saying only directly opposite the mizbeach to the northern wall. The second opinion, Rebbe Shapita Shimon, he's adding also closer west between the ulam and the mizbeach. Now, Rebbe adds closer east. As long as you're in the northern part, even if it's the place where the, 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 the Kornim and even where the Yisraelim walk, that is kosher. Abmachotri says, Ragle Kornim, so it's further east from the Mizbech, and even the place where the Yisraelim go, even though it's further east, as long as it's in the north, the Maisa, that's in the north. So Rebbe is being Mosif, those parts as well. It says the, the Brisa, Abmachalifas Lefnim, from the areas where they used to, where they used to, the Khalifas was like a storehouse. They used to keep the, the, all the knives for the shechita. They would have a place where they would keep it. It was, it, was, it was like built into the ulam. It was like a chamber built into the ulam. So what, the way what we're saying is, even the opinions that say that it's good between the ulam and the mizbeach, it's only up until the ulam that it's good. But everybody would agree from the part where we start storing the knives and on, closer west, that's not going to be kosher. Everyone would agree that it's possible for kosher. Kosher, but it has to be from the ulam and outside towards further than Hazar. Okay, so we have three different views. We have our Blazer, we had Rabbi Yossi, son of Rabbi Yossi, saying it's only good directly opposite the Mitzbeach. We have Rabbi Rabbi Shimon, who's adding between the Ulam and Mitzbeach in the west, and then Rabbi's adding in the east, the Makom, with the Kohanim and the Israelim walk. So our Mishnah, Lema Rabbi Blazer, Rabbi Shimon, evil Rabbi. So our Mishnah is only Rabbi Blazer, Rabbi Shimon, who was mostly in the Ulam and Mitzbeach, and not Rabbi, right? Rabbi added, what did Rabbi add? So. Rebbe added that you could do all the areas to the east as well, as long as it's in the northern half of that, so it could be, it could be towards the east of the Mizbech. So seemingly the Mishnah is not Rebbe. So that's an interesting assumption, right? In other words, to say that the Mishnah is not Rebbe, yes, we understand. He held that it can only be directly opposite the Mizbech. But we had Rebbe Rebbe Shimon who was most of the west, and Rebbe who was being most of the east. So it sounds like the Gemara is assuming that Rebbe was most of only in the east and not in the west. So if we're saying that the, the bull was situated between the Ulam and the Mizbech, it sounds like it's not like Rebbe. So the Gemara comes back and says, "What kind of assumption is that?" Afilutema Rebbe. Of course, our Mishnah could be Rebbe. Hashter Rebbe at Rebbe Yosef. You don't know if if Rebbe is adding to the area of Rebbe Yosef, the son of Rebbe Yehuda, meaning he's saying it doesn't have to be directly opposite the Mizbeach. It could also be to the east of the Mizbeach. So if he's adding onto that, that it could even be to the east. As well as Rebbe Shimon Lomos, if he's not adding onto Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon said, meaning doesn't it make more sense? What's like the greater amount of Kedusha? The greater amount of Kedusha would be between the Ulam and the Mizbeach, closer west, closer to the, to the Hechel, than it would be clo- the, to the east, where it's further away from the Hechel. So if Rebbe was Mosif, and he comes along and says, it doesn't have to be directly opposite the Mizbeach, it could even be further east to the Mizbeach, where the Kornim and the Yisraelim are walking. If that's what Rebbe said, then Kol Shekin, he should be Mosif, the area of Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon, which is closer west. So it's not the Pshad Rebbe saying it's only good further east and not further west. Rebbe is saying even more. We had Rebbe Yosef, son of Rebbe Yudah, who was being the most machmer, only directly, directly opposite the Mizbech. Then we have Lazar Rebbe Shimon who's saying, no, even between the Ulu and Mizbech. And Rebbe is adding on to both of them, and he's saying, I hold it could even be closer to the east. But of course, he's masking to what Rebbe Lazar Shimon said, that it could be between the Ulam and the Mizbech. So then the Mishnah is not only Rebbe Lazar Rebbe Shimon, the Mishnah could also be according to the opinion of Rebbe. Yes, it's true, the Mishnah can't be Rebbe Yosef, the son of Rebbe Yehuda, because he was saying only between the Ulam and the Mizbech is good. But it could also be, but the Mishnah could be both Rebbe Lazar Rebbe Shimon and Rebbe. 
So now the Gemara clarifies what it wanted. You're right. You're right that we, we understand that the premise is that according to Rabbi, Shechita could be between Beinu Ulam and Mizbeach. This is what the premise was when we were asking the question. E Rabbi, he, if the Mishnah holds like Rabbi, and Safon is all the northern half, including in the eastern part of the, the part towards the east of the Mizbeach, Nugmin Bukula Hazar, then why don't we put the bull anywhere in the Hazar, anywhere in the northern half of the Hazar? Why are we specifying that it's between the Ulam and the Mizbeach? If we're specifying that it should be shechted there, it must be Lazar Glazar Reb Shimon and not Rabbi. So basically, now we're coming along and saying the opposite. Not, 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 not is it good there, but why is it Dafka there? That's right. We're assuming according to Rabbi, it could be anywhere in the Hazar. As long as it's in the northern half of the Hazar, it could be east, west, it doesn't matter where it is. So why did we specify that location in between the Ulam and the Zbah? Must be, we're going like Reb Lazar Reb Shimon, who holds that it can't be anywhere in the northern Hazar. To be, to, the Shechita has to be only between the Ulam, only directly opposite the Mizbech, or between the Ulam and the Mizbech, but it can't be further east. So it sounds like the Mishnah is not like Rebbe for the fact that we specified that the bull was put between the Ulam and the Mizbech. So the Gemara says, Elamai, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, what are you trying to say? If the Mishnah specified it's between the Mizbech, it's not Rebbe, because it could have been anywhere, so what? You want to say, Rabbi Shimon, no women Mizbech, Lakosa, it could have been directly opposite the Mizbech and the wall, right? Still, if that's your diak, why did the Mishnah Davka put it in Ulam and Mizbech and you're trying to say you see not like Rebbe, then you're not explaining anything by saying it's going like Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, either. Because everybody agrees, that's for sure, that it could be opposite the Mizbech. The question is, could it also be between the Ulam and the Mizbech? So why is the Mishnah, even if you want to say it's going to Lebel's Reb Shimon, why do we dafka put up in Ulam and Mizbech? It could have been directly opposite the Mizbech and the northern wall. What are you going to say? How are you going to respond to that? What's the rationale? If we could put it directly opposite the Mizbech and the northern wall, why are we putting it in Ulam and Mizbech? We're doing it because the Kohen Gadol is weak. He's fasting. He has to do all the Avodah today. And we want to make sure that he doesn't have to carry the blood so far. We want him that, that he should be closer to the Hechel. We want him to be as close to the Hechel as possible because he's going to carry the blood that he catches from the bar inside to make all the Hazos, all the spritzing. So we want him to be as close to the door as possible. So we're doing it all the way by the Ula. So that's just a, uh, it doesn't mean to the exclusion of another area. We're not saying that you have to put it in Ulam Mizbech, and if I would put it directly opposite the Mizbech to the northern wall, it would be invalid. Of course it would be kosher. We're saying you put it in Ulam Mizbech because practically that's smarter for the Kohen Gadol's strength. So Achanat Rabbi Nami, once you say that Svara, so in Rabbi also, 100% it's kosher, it doesn't have to be directly opposite the Mizbech, it's kosher if it's to the east of the Mizbech as well. You want to know why you put it in Ulam Mizbech? Because the Kohen Gadol. So where do we end up? We end up that we know that this par, the Mishnah specified that it's shechted, and we're trying to understand what's going on. We know that by Kachu Kachu, the Pazuk says, you shechted in the Al-Yerech HaMizbech, right in front of the Mizbech, Safona in the north, Lifnei Hashem. And in general, we have a three-way dispute about the meaning of where Kachu Kachu could be shechted. We have the most strict, rigid opinion of Rabbi Yosef, son of Rabbi Yudu, who says, if it has to be Al-Yerech HaMizbech, that means just only in the 32 Amos that are directly that are directly opposite the Mizbech towards the northern wall. That's Rabbi, Lazar, that's Rabbi Yosef, son of Rabbi Yudu. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon adds, even the Malcolm in the north is between the Ulam and the Mizbech, further west of the Mizbech. And Rabbi added, even the, any area that's in the northern part of the Azar, even if it's to the east of the Mizbech. Those are the three views. And we know very clearly Rabbi is being the most makel. He's saying on top of the first two opinions, not only is it good directly opposite the Mizbech, and not only is it good if I do it Beinu Ulam the Mizbech, but it's kosher as well if I do it anywhere in the uh, northern half of the Azara, even if it's to the east of the Mizbech. That's clearly Rabbi Sheet. We were trying to understand if our Mishnah could be like Rebbe. Our Mishnah specifies that the Kohen Gadol's bull is shachted Beinu Ulam Namizbech. So according to Rebbe, 
why is the Mishnah making that specification? If it could be kosher anywhere, that's really essentially what the Gemara is trying to understand. And the answer is because we have a svara that we want it to be shafted as close as it can be to the Eichel. Since the Kohen Gadol is weak and he's fasting and he has so much avodah to do, we'd like it to make it as easy as possible for him so we're going to carry the blood. So the one person that the Mishnah cannot feel like is Rabbi Yossi, son of Rabbi Yehuda, because according to him, the Shechita is not kosher between the Ula Mizbech. It's only kosher directly opposite the Mizbech. But the Mishnah could either be Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, or Rabbi, and we're shechting a pain Ula Mizbech for the considerations of the health of the weakness of the Kohen God. Okay? All right. Fine. Now we learned Roshel Adarim upon of the Marav. The bull is standing, again, between the Ula Mizbech. It says that the head of the animal is toward the south, but the face is towards the west. So the says, huh, how do I have a head in the south and a face in the west? So the Gemara says, Heichim Meshkach Hasla, Amarav Okem Rosha. We're turning its head. So the face is pointing toward the west. So meaning the body of the, of, the, of the bull is aligned here north to south. Okay, that's the point. Its back is, 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 is towards the north. Its face, its, its, its head of the animal, the front of the animal is facing south. It's aligned north and south. But then we t- take the head and we turn it a little bit and we force the head, the face of the, of the bull to go to look towards the west. That's the point that we're doing. So now the Mars is like, why are we making it so complicated? Clearly, what's the point of turning it to the west? That you want the shechita, you want it to be towards the west, right? Why? Because that's where the Kedusha is, right? The Kedusha is in the Kodesh. That's the holier part. So you want to do the shechita when its face is looking towards the west. We can understand that. But then we have a very simple question. So why don't we just put the whole animal in that direction directly? Meaning, why don't you just put its head in the west and its back in the east? Instead of situating it north and south and then having to turn its head that's from the south towards the west, turn its face that's in the south towards the west, why don't you just put it west to east and have just the front of the animal in the west and the back of the animal will be in the east. Why are you positioning it north to south and you have to turn the face? Why don't you just position it west to east? Much simpler. It's a decree because we're nervous the animal is going to, is going to go to the bathroom and make all the kalalim. And it would be a disgrace if its backside is doing that right in front of the Mizbech. So if it was west to east, again, it's being a little on Mizbech, right? So if it would be west to east, so its backside is right in front of the Mizbech, right behind it, so then it would be, it would be a disgrace that it would be Marvitz Glalim right in front of the Mizbech. So instead, we turn it north to south, where even if it is Marvitz Glalim, so it's dropping it, you know, in the north, nothing to do with the Mizbech. But now that its head is in the south, we're just twisting it a little bit, uh, t- twisting its face a little so that it will, it, will, it will be pointed in the western direction. Okay, now we get into smicha a little bit. Tanar Rabbanan, Ketzit Somech, how does a person do, do smicha on Kachet Kachur? This is just general carbonus here. So the carbon stands in the north, right? Remember, because Shechita of Kachet Kachur always has to be in the north. Its face, Panav Lamarav, its face is to the west. Its face is to the west. Okay, now. Uh, the Somech, the person leaning on it, he stands in the east, meaning his back is to the east, Rashi learned. And now his face is to the west. He puts his two hands between the horns of the animal. The condition is there can't be any chatzitza. There can't be anything interposing between his hands and the horns. Very important that he makes direct contact. When he brings the carbon chatas, he confesses the sin of a chatas, meaning whatever sin, the chattas is being brought for. Al avon, al asham, avon asham. When he brings an asham, it has to be for the sin of an asham. Al ola, and here's an interesting part, which is not identified so well in the Torah. The Torah identifies an ola as a carbon that's brought voluntarily, right? You don't have to bring a carbon ola. And the Torah doesn't say 
that it really brings kapara. But the Torah does say v'nir tzolo l'chaper alav. So we see that there's a hard soft kapara that comes from carbon ola. So what, what is that? So we know, we think we were taught as kids, which Ramban brings in the, from, the, from the Medrash, that it's mechaper an herhure avera. When a person doesn't sin, but they think about sinning, so carbon ola is mechaper on that. But that's not the Gemara's perspective. The Gemara a few times says otherwise. Not that it's necessarily a contradiction, maybe there's other things, but the Gemara has a different idea about what the point of an ola is. An ola is mechaper on anything that there's no other form of punishment for. So what are those things? So, avon lechad Different gives examples of things that, that, that there's no other punishment for. So in other words, when you do a regular avera, a lav in the Torah, what's the punishment? Malkus. Okay, so if there's malkus, then we don't assume that there's the carbon ola as machaper for it. You get punishment of lashes and you're good. You're good to go. But with other things, like let's say a mitzvah's essay, someone's mabatzal an essay, someone does a lav, which is nitikla essay. Those are two examples of doing the wrong thing, but you don't have a punishment that the Torah gives. So we say that that's where the carbon ola is machap. So Rabbi Yosef Aglili here is giving like mechudish type, novel type of examples of lavim, which are nitikla essay. So he says, avon lukashachov peah. Maeser Ani is a big question. Rashi takes out the girsa. But the avon lukashachov peah is a lav, right? It says, right, there's an iser, there's a lav in the Torah. So there's a lav. So why is there no lashes? The answer is, let's say somebody, in other words, let's say somebody does take his leket. Isn't he ever on a lav? There should be lashes. Why is the carbon ola going to be mechaper? The tarot says, because what does the puzzle go on to say? There's a mitzvah that's menatic the lav. So according to Rabbi Yusak Lili, Tazov is a mitzvah that's menatic the lav. Since it's a mitzvah that's menatic the lav, so therefore there's no lashes. So therefore the carbon ola is going to be mechaper for it. Whereas Rabbi Akiva disagrees. Rabbi Akiva says, Ain ola ba'al ha'seva I don't agree with what you said. Tazov is not menatic the lav. We'll see why example. Well, and the Gemara will analyze why he doesn't hold that way. But it seems that he holds that that's a regular lav. The lav of Ani Lager Tazov Osam. I'm sorry, the lav of Losachal Kapas Chodach Bekutzrachal Velakitzirchal Losalakim is a regular lav. There would be lashes for it. The carbonol is not machaper. Carbonol is machaper. If somebody doesn't do a mitzvah, somebody does a lav and itikla essay where there's no penalty, since there's no penalty, that's where they bring a carbonol. Mashengin Lekoshechopea, which have the penalty, it has lashes, so then there's no atonement. Now, it's a hard concept. No, you bring a carbonol for something that there's no other punishment. It's like, it, it, it's confusing because the rest of the carbonos are brought when you do something, when you do something, um, bishogik, right? But here we're saying that even if you do something willfully, you intentionally sin, so when there's no punishment, that's when a carbon ola comes. We've shown him struggle, I'll tell her, to understand this concept a little bit. It's not so easy. It's like somebody doesn't put on tefillin, b'meizin, that's the guy who, who, who brings a carbon ola. That's like a, that's the textbook example. Okay, and again, does it mean he's mechuyiv to bring a carbon ola? Not really. But it means if he does bring in carbon oil, he gets kapara. All right, so we have a machlokas if the sins of avon lecho shecho pea carbon oil is machaper, and we're breaking it down is that the real question is if they have malchus. According to Rabbi Yitzhak they don't have malchus because tazov is manatekit, so therefore, therefore it's a good example for carbon ola. According to Rabbi Akiva, tazov is not manatekit. We'll see why. So it's a regular lav, so there's lashes. If it's a regular lav where there's lashes, so then there's not going to be the carbon ola that's machaper for it. 
So the Gemara says, what's the question here? So Amr, Yirmiya says, They're arguing about things that are like the lav of Nevela. The lav of Nevela, the Torah says, Lo There's an isra in the Torah to eat Nevela, so it sounds like a regular lav. But then the Torah adds, right? You give it to the ger. So in this thing, is that a lav a nitik la'asay? Somebody who eats Nevela, do they get lashes? Rabbi Akiva Savar, lav ma'alia, that's a regular lav. Why? I, the Torah says, give it to the ger. The tarot says, it doesn't make sense for that to be minatik alav. After you eat it, you can't give it to the ger, right? So what does the Torah mean, give it to the ger? It means instead of you eating it, before you eat it, instead of you eating it, you should be giving it to the ger. That's what it means. So that's not a minatik alasei. That's where we keep his point. Minatik alasei is that I go ahead and I do something wrong. I steal. And then the Torah says, Ve'eshev is exil asher goza. Like, go ahead and fix it. That's lavanitik lasa. That's not a lav anitik lasa. That's not a minatik lav. That's not a fixable iser of, of, of eating of sochel, of sochel konavela. So Rabbi Kiva says, that's a regular lav. It's not a regular lav. What does that mean? It's not a regular lav. There's no lashes. How could it be that there's no lashes? Don't we all agree you can't fix it after you eat it? The Territ says, in a chanamin, you can't fix it. But Lamaisa, the Torah wrote an essay with the lav. Not that it should be done after the lav. It's not fixing the lav. We understand that. But it's not like the prototype of the Isser which gets Malkus. What gets Malkus? The lav of Chasima. The Torah tells us, Losachsim Sharbatisho. And right next to that, it says, it says that you get Malkus. So we learn in the Gemara and Malkus that any lav that's like that lav of the Chasima, it's a plain lav, it gets Malkus. So there's no essay at all which is associated with Lav da Chasima. But if the Torah gave you a mitzvah of maybe it's before the Avera. Maybe you're right. It's not monotic in the classical sense that it's fixing it after you're done. But it's not like Lav da Chasima. The Torah gave a mitzvah with it as well. And if the Torah gave a mitzvah with it as well, then there's no lashes. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yisraelis. Rabbi Yisraelis is being like very rigid. If it's not like Lav da Chasima, the Torah gave an essay, then there's no lashes. Rabbi Kiva is saying, don't be so rigid. If it's not fixing the Avera, then the Avera is essentially a plain Lav. So then, um, then there is lashes. So, so too, the Torah says, so Tazov is not fixing the Avera. Let it be, it's not fixing it. But Lamaisa Hashem gave an essay with the, with, with the Avera. So according to Rabbi Yosef Lili, so we say that's not like the prototype of Los Asim Shabbatich, there's no Malchus. Therefore, the Karmadol is Machapah. But Shankin Rabbi Akiva so holds that no, it's not Manatik, you would get lashes, and therefore it's not subject to the Kapar of the Karmadol. Comes along the Gemara, Amar Abai, no way. Everybody agrees, someone who eats, because we're saying a big enough community, there would be a Machos, Rabbi Yisrael, Gleel, and Rabbi Akiva, if you eat Nevela, if you get lashes. Right? And the Gemara is coming back and saying no. Abai says, everybody agrees, if somebody eats Nevela, it's a regular full fledged Isser, it's a full fledged Avera, they get Malkus. They're only arguing about Tazov, meaning everybody agrees that if the Torah gives an essay, but it comes before the Avera, and at, not after the Avera, like give the Ger, Give the ger the nevela. That clearly can only be done before you eat, not after you eat. Everybody agrees that's it. Then, then there's lashes for such an avir because it's not fixing it. But we're arguing about tazov. What's the nature of the mitzvah by lekach shechopeya to leave it for it? Rabbi Kiva savar tazov me kara mashma. It's mashma an initial chiyuv before you cut it. It's not a. It's not a tikkun. It's not if I cut now fix it by leaving it. Fakir, leave it. Don't cut it. If you do cut it, if you leave it, are you being monotic the Avera? Zakh Rabbi Akiva? No, you're not. There's still full-fledged Malkus. That's the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. So it comes out, according to Rabbi Akiva, it's not a lavanitic lasse. If it's not a lavanitic lasse, there would be Malkus. Rabbi Akiva holds that it's Mashma right now, meaning after 
you go ahead and you cut the lekachukopeya and you did the wrong thing. Zok the tire law and you got so according to Rabbi Yosef Lili, it's been off a nitikla essay. It's like stealing, says the Torah return. So to hear, suck the Torah, don't cut. If you do cut, you should now fix it by leaving it. So that's the machlokas about the nature of the mitzvah of Tazov. So it ends up that we have a machlokas if lekachukopeya are something that you have a kapar for with carbon ola. The root of the dispute is that carbon ola is machaper for types of averas that don't carry other punishments. Everybody agrees lava nitikla essay doesn't have a punishment of malchus. The question is, is Tazov minatik the lav? If it said initially, that's Rabbi Akiva, then it's not Menatik. If it's like Rabbi said, that it's Hashtamashma, it's Menatik, the Isser of Lavan, of, of La'ani Blagert, of La'sechala, and therefore there wouldn't be any lashes. Okay, very good. Now we move on to the Nusuch of Vidoy. Tanarabon and Ketzamisvad, how does a person say Vidoy? First he says, Avisi, then Pashati, then Chatasi. You have the same language. If you look in the Pasuk here, this is the Pasuk in the Torah talking about the Sar Aaron Akoin should confess all the sins of Klaisral, the Avonos, then Pishayim, then Chatosom. So we see the order. So it seems that that's the sequence of the way the Kohen Gadol says it. It goes Avon, Pesha, Chatos. If you look at Moshe Rabbeinu when he was davening, who Omer, no say Avon, Vafesha, Vechatos. So again, it's listed in that particular order, Avon, Pesha, Chatos. That's the way the Kohen Gadol says it. Divri Rebbe Meir. This is the way, the opinion of Rebbe Meir. Meir saying that it goes Avon, Pesha, Chatos. No, let's think about what, what you're saying here. What do the words mean? What are the nuances? What's the subtlety between the difference here? What's Avon? What's Pesha? And what's Chatos? Avonus elus donus. Avonus are willful, intentional sins. V'cheinu omer he cars the race and nevesh he avonaba. The Torah is referring to the person who intentionally sinned, and he's getting cars. And we're saying avonaba. So clearly, we avon is an intentional sin. Shom elu meradam. A pasha is a sin that's done out of rebelliousness, meaning a person is just trying to upset Hashem. V'cheinu omer melach moav pasha bi. So this is talking about a pshia. And it's like a sign of disrespect, where again, it's a rebellious act. For Omer, Livna was again rebelling at that time. So we see this was a rebellion where the Lashon Pesha is used. What's the Lashon of Chatos? Chatos means unintentional sin. Right? Unintentional type of sin. So if Chet is, 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 is unintentional, and now we have Avon is intentional and Pesha is rebellious type of sin. So now let's think ourselves what the order of the Vido should be. Say the Chachamim, if the order is the way you said it, that you first are a say Vido for an Avon and then a Pesha, then Chosem is Vado Ashkagos. Then you're going to ask and confess about Chatos. It doesn't make sense. If he got atonement for what he did willfully, which is what's worse, then clearly he's going to get atonement for something of less severity. So where Mayor's order doesn't make sense, rather the Chacham say this is the Vido. You say chatasi, then avisi, then pashati tanechani yuvesi, and that makes more sense. And they bring other sources for this. When David davened, he was said, chatanu imavusinu ha'evinu vihirshanu. So again, the order starts with chatas. V'chein v'shlomo omer, chatanu ha'evinu rishanu. V'chein v'daniel omer, chatanu ha'evinu rishanu maranu. So the Chachamim bring a bunch of examples where people confessing their sins start with chet, and then they go to avon, and then they go to pasha. Aye, what about Rameyer's proof? Rameyer brought a very strong proof. What does it mean when Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Hashem that it's oven pesha chata? Isn't that out of order? The territory is, Whenever Kalei saw sin, and then they repent, 
You should transform whatever sins that they do intentionally into something that they do unintentionally. Make what they did willfully into an inadvertent sin. So that's the way the translation, what, what the idea that we're trying to say here is it's saying, Hashem, forgive us, the one who makes Avon and Pasha like Chatos. That's the meaning of, of Moshe Rabbeinu's words. He's not saying, forgive us for Avonos, for Absham, and for Achatas. We're saying, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to Hashem, you are the one who's nosi often Vafesha by turning it into Chatas. Okay, now, how do we paskin? That it goes Chatas, Avon, Pesha. What's the novelty? From Rav, that the pot, the psak that we have when we dive in is that we're going to say chatas first because of the chacham shita. Of course, yachav rabbi malachik rabbi. Why it goes? It goes. It goes. It's an obvious point. So I was like tomorrow. Ma'ad dema mistaber time of Mayor's view here is mamish is is clear to come aside like Karla Moshe. It's supported by the pasuk by Moshe and the pasuk that we brought by um by by. But we didn't really address that, which is really a big. Uh, it's like the elephant in the room here. The pasuk by 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 the sar mishalech we didn't get back to. Right? That was our mayor's proof. It's We didn't answer that. And so that's what the Gemara means. We had the Pasuk by Moshe, but then we, but then we really have that other Pasuk we didn't address. The one with Moshe, we said Hashem turns the Avonos and the Psham into Chatam. Fine. But what about the Pasuk by the Sar Mishalech? When he's confessing, it sounds very clear that that was the order, the way the Rabbi Meir said it. So Kamash Malon, even though we didn't necessarily fend for it, but the Allah is like the Chachamim, that it's Chatos, then Avon, then Pasha. Says the Gemara story, who the Nachos come the Rabbah? There was someone who was leading the Amr. He was davening for the Amr in front of Rabbah. Father to Rameir, he did like Rameir, meaning that he did Avon, then Pasha, then Chatos. Amalei Rabbah said, Shavka Rabbanon, Vavik Rameir, why are you leaving the Rabbanon's opinion and doing like Rameir's opinion? Amalei said to Rabbah, Rameir, it's for the Holy Rameir. His Sif, Sefer Rabbah said to Moshe, go look at the Torah of Moshe, and you look at the Pasuk, Visvad Lavas Chatosom, right? The Pasuk by the Eskop Shem Lachol Chatosom, by the Sarmish Aleh. So it sounds very clear, it sounds very clear over there what to do. So, since it sounds like the Pasuk over there is like Rameir, we do like Rameir. So the Gemara is saying we Pasuk like Rabbanan, even though the Pasuk is more mashma like Rabbi Meir. Okay, continues the Gemara. Tan Rabbanan, we learned in the Brisa. Echiper, he should get kapara. So if you look, take a look at the Pasuk here. This is by the, um, this is by the coins, uh, the, the par. So it says that he's going to bring the par. Echiper, badov, arbeso. He's getting atonement for himself and his family. So what does it mean he's getting atonement? He's getting atonement means he's confessing. And through confessing, there's an idea that confession itself brings kapara. So even though you have to do the karvan, which is a funny thing a little bit. On the one hand, we need the adam, right? In, 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 in kapara or adam. But on the other hand, we're saying that confession brings kapara. So you're going to say, Really? This is through Kaparas Tavarma? We know the Kaparas Damim. Maybe it has to be through the blood. Without the blood, there can't be Kapar. Usually when it says Kapar in the Torah, it means through blood. So the answer is, Look at what I'm going to dash in here. Remember, Kapar, it says by the Kohen Gadol's bull, the Lashon of Kapara. Remember, the Alon Kapar, it said by the Sar Mishalech. It also says the Lashon of Kapar. It says there in the Pasuk, So by the Sar Lazazel, where's the Kapara? There's no blood, there's no Avodas Hadam by the Sar Lazazel. It just means the words, the words of confession over the Sar Lazazel bring Kapara. So we make a drasha. But if the Maisa, you're going to say that that drasha is not correct. 
We'll see in a second why you would say it's not correct. But if you'll say it's not correct, it says that Aaron brings it and he brings Kapara. And then afterwards, the Pasuk says that he's Shechs. So when the Pasuk says he gets Kapara, it hasn't been Shechted yet. So clearly when it says that, 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 that Aaron brings it and gets Kapara, if it's before the Shechita, it must be referencing the confession. Because it, if it's before the Shechita and the Torah is saying he's getting atonement, then clearly it must be through the words of confession. So if it, what happened was that we brought two different sources here that the Chippah love and the Pasuk meant through confession. First, we wanted to say that it means because of the drasha to Sar Mishalech, Kapar, Kapar. Just by Sar Mishalech, Kapar means confession. So to hear by the power, the, the, the Kapar means through the confession. Then we said, if you're not going to like it, so then we just say, well, obviously it means confession because the, it doesn't even say he shechted it yet. The next Pasuk is going to say he shechted it. So the Mars says, Why would you say that the Gzair Shava was incorrect, right? In other words, if you're going to say the Gzair Shava is incorrect, then you bring the second source. But what was wrong with the Gzair Shava from, 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 from Kapar, Kapar to Sar Mishalech? Says the Gemara, maybe you're going to say, instead of learning Kapara, Kapara to Sar Mishalech, you could learn Kapara, Kapara to the Sar Hanasabifnim. There, the Torah also uses the word of Kapara. And where it says the word of Kapara, and over there it's very much done with the Kapara, with, with the word of Bifnim. It says, and you take the blood and you throw it Bifnim. So there, maybe, how do I know to learn Vechipah? To the Sar Mishalech and say that Vechipah means confession. Maybe I should learn Vechipah to the Sar and Asabifnim. And, and, and Vechipah means through the Dam. So on that, we have to bring a second source. So we answer, The Tarot says, it says Vechipah here in the Pasuk before the power was shechted. So it says Vechipah here in the Pasuk before the power was shechted. That shows us that it must mean that it's coming about through through the confession. And the question is, what kind of a din is the Gemara really saying? That's the end. Okay, so we proved it clearly from the order that there's an extra vachipa here that it's going on the confession. Does that mean that if for whatever reason the power wasn't shechted that you're yet saying? No, of course not. You'd have to bring another one. There's actually going to be some very clear proof to that coming up where the, where the, where the, where the blood was dropped or whatever. We're going to talk about it. But it just means, I think, that, that there's a... There's a specific kapara that comes about through the confession that's separate from the avodas adam. That must be somewhat what it means. And normally by karbanos, we don't emphasize that. By regular karman khatas, for example, 100% you do a vidoy, but we don't look at the kaparas coming through the vidoy at all. It sounds like a miyuchot dikadin on the Kohen Gadol's par, which we're going to see, and then by the Sar Mishdaleach, that the, the vidoy that's there itself brought a kapara. Again, its own kapara. There's a separate kapara from the avodas adam. But there's a kapara bifne atzmo from the vidoy which is done. And it really makes new meaning. You know, today we live only with the Vita. We don't have, you know, Avodah Saddam at all. But it's interesting to think about that. There's a specific kapara that comes about in here in the Pasuk, before the power was even shafted.